Hello, hello. Hey, Brad, how are you? Wonderful, wonderful. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Awesome. Hi, I'm Cyril, your host, and welcome to my podcast that I called I Really Want to Do This. In this podcast, I interview guests from all walks of life and try to understand the various ways that different types of people with different backgrounds and experiences succeed in achieving their goals in their very own ways. Think of the past 10 years in your own life. Have you had a personal goal, an objective, maybe you call it a dream, of doing this one thing? You really want to do that one thing, whatever it may be, but for some reason, you never succeeded in making it actually happen. Well, by showcasing successful achievers and asking them how they did it, I sincerely hope that this podcast will give you some ideas and maybe answers on where to start, how to proceed, in order to actually do that one thing that you really want to do. Hi everyone, this is Cyril, and uh, today we're lucky we have an amazing guest. His name is Brad, and for the first time in my podcast, I do not know Brad, so I'm really, really interested in how this conversation is going to go. All the other guests, I knew them, and I was a little bit biased. This is going to be a complete discovery. Brad, how are you doing today? Oh, most wonderful, most wonderful, Cyril. Thank you so much for having me. It's great, great to be here. Excellent. So, Great to be here. We're on a Zoom call, but where where are you based and uh, where were you born to? Yeah, so I'm based right now out of Houston, Texas. Um, I was born in uh, North Dakota, in Minot, North Dakota, mm-hmm. uh, in the, the freezing tundra. So, <laughs> Wow. So did that raise, raise you like a like tough? Tell me about this. Oh, we're going to yeah. jump onto it. Like Absolutely. Right. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So there is there is a phrase called North Dakota tough or there's just that that kind of, um, you know, it's funny, my wife is, is growing up for the most part in larger cities. And I grew up obviously in a very rural area and, you know, up there, you know, we had times where the, where the snow would knock power out for a couple of days. And she just kind of looked at you like, like, you know, what did you do? And I'm like, no, we just sat there and started a fire. And, and so you, you actually become very uh, self-reliant and very resilient. I'm sure when you were a kid, that weather was not that friendly, but it created some valleys in use and like i'm from north of france originally mm. and it rains a lot we say that if it's not raining it's because it's about to rain <laughs> <laughs> so, and my parents raised us like it's raining who cares put your boots let's go outside you know yep. And, yep and back then of course you don't want to go in the mud and you're like oh god i got a bike to, to school you don't like it but it does create some sense of it, i'm not affected by the weather i don't care yep. what the weather is like and it just simply is. Yeah. You know, they call it the elements for that reason. They're just simply an element that is out there. You know, in North Dakota, the, uh, the rule is um, that typically kids are sent out for recess as long as it's above negative 15 below Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. 
<laughs> so, so yeah, it, it, it creates a different thing that, that the weather is simply there. That's something that is, and then it, and it is the other thing that I think that that extreme weather treats, uh, teaches you to do is to be prepared. Like yeah. you kind of, you know, you're ex- not expecting the worst, but you're prepared for the fact that you may, may get some extreme challenges and you just, you react to it and you got to be prepared for it and know what's going on. Yeah. But if you're not prepared, like for example, you know, when my wife asked me, you know, what do you do for three days? Well, we all had pantries. So you have a pantry that has food stocked up that if you can, you go back to the canned foods and you just, you make it work. So yeah, I think one of the things that really does, it gets you prepared for that stuff. And then also, like you said, kind of like the elements are just that, you know, so. Mm. Tell me a bit about your family environment, yeah. your, your brothers, siblings, sister, yep. parents. So I grew up in a, in a, a family business and um, an amazing impact on my life. A lot of it has just infiltrated so much into to that, that being, um, you know, and one of the other things, you know, I had a very strong father, uh, um, you know, very, um, uh, I would say demanding, uh, kind mm. of, you know, borderline perfectionist. Um, Mm-hmm. but very driven father. And then my mom worked with him in the business. And so my mom, my dad was kind of the visionary. My mom was the support person. And, but my mom was extremely strong, extremely, you know, um, you know, just go do it. And it's funny that, you know, when this thing uh, came up is that, you know, I really want to do that. That was her to just go do it then. And so right. it's interesting um, in a lot of work I do, I, I tend to uh, attract strong females that are strong and guided and want to do stuff and aren't, you know, uh, stopped away. And so it's, it's interesting how that's showing up. And so my mom has had a huge uh, positive impact in that world of me just saying for myself, one, that, that, that nothing's impossible, just do it. And it's also, you know, allowed me to, with her kind of as the, the image there to guide other women to say, Hey, just do it. And here, you know, just do it and kind of, it's possible, just do it. Yeah. And so, um, that, that, that's my parents, um, you know, very strong, very, um, work. I think it's my dad used to have a saying that said, if I would teach you anything, I'm going to teach you a hard day's work. And so we, you know, we worked long days. We spent most of our time, uh, at the, at the, uh, the business that was a distribution business. So we were at the warehouse, we'd spend our, our, you know, we, uh, our time there, our free time there. That's where we were. Um, and then, you know, what, like what? agriculture, agriculture yep. stuff, or? uh, food service and convenience products. So we delivered to restaurants and convenience stores, um, anything from candy to steaks to, um, really? yeah, wow. all that stuff. Yep. And so all the food stuff. So we delivered that in, in, in our trucks and yeah, it was, uh, it was really service the entire state of North Dakota, uh, a little bit of, um, Montana, a little bit of, uh, Northern, uh, Northern Minnesota, uh, and a little bit of South Dakota. And so, yeah, you know, it covered a large area. It's, it's a lot of open space there to be servicing. And so, um, you know, I think part of that preparation part came in that as well, right? Because you're always thinking about what the, the challenges are um, there. And so my two brothers, there's there's three brothers uh, and we um, we all were in the business and, and working as, it's funny, we used to joke that that my dad would have us do the jobs that it just felt bad that he'd have to have an employee do <laughs> so if it was bad enough he'd just have <laughs> us do it yeah and so i remember one time there was a because we worked on our own trucks and so there was a drainage pit as they were coming in from the snow right the snow would melt off and it'd go into the drainage pits and just kind of water catch but over time mud and stuff like that and so 
every year or so we'd have to go and dig that thing out. And you think about it is that mud, that sludgy mud, the smell that that stuff has with it. And it's just, so we got to, to joyously be uh, that, given that task because he couldn't dare assign it to an employee. So. <laughs> so it was expected for you guys to participate in the work. How old were you Absolutely. when you had to do that? So, you know, we, we always talk about that. You know, we, we started probably working at, in some form of tasks, probably around like seven. And then we wow. were probably more full-time around, you know, uh, 10, 10, 11 years old. We were expected to be doing a couple hours a day working in the bank, stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, it was always kind of just part of the expected thing. And, and um, in that too, you know, one of the things is, is I've done a lot of self-work on, on my story of origin and, you know, what, what affects me to be the way I am. Oh. You know, one of the, the things that have shown up for me is that my parents defined a lot of my worth in doing. So you did a good job, right? You did yeah. a bad job. And so then your, your, the perception and the self-perception that comes with that is I'm a good boy. If I do good, I'm a bad boy. If I make a mistake. Yeah. And so it's funny how that drives the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the way that you are. And so for myself, um, always had a natural inclination towards sports. Um, I was, you know, gifted enough that I could just, I could pick up a lot of sports and just play and win. <laughs> And so, you know, going up through high school that I, uh, I did wrestling, basketball, track, um, hockey. I just did, you know, every sport that came in, I was, I was in it. I did tumbling. Um, I did uh, a little bit of figure skating. Uh, tumbling's like gymnastics. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, I thought it was like rolling down the hill. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did that too. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, that competitive portion of it. So that it was a very, you know, and without the two brothers, right. You know, we grew up just outside of town, about 12 miles outside of town. So we were kind of on a farm. So my friends, for the most part, were my brothers. And we would, you know, we'd do everything. We'd get into all kind of mischief out on the, on the, on the farm there. And um, when I was growing up, I was about the same size as my older brother. So unfortunately, it created so both of them animosity. Are older. Yeah. 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 He was three years older than me, two, two and a half years older than me. Okay. And, and so, yeah, yeah, we're the same size. Yeah. And the other one, you said there were three. So yep, yep, uh, two brothers. So the youngest, younger brother was uh, about okay. two and a half years younger than me. Yep. So okay, they're just in the middle. Exactly. Yep. I and, and it's funny, you know, as, as you look at some of those um, old stories, memes, research. Uh, I feel a lot of the, the middle child traits, um, a lot of that competitiveness. I was always punching up, you know, chasing my my uh, older brother, and and you know, it it's uh, I you know, looking back, I feel bad for him because. He couldn't really define himself separate from that. I was always tag along trying to, you know, not only was I trying to be with him, but I was trying to compete with him. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure he was uh, put, you know, at wit's end for that. So, um, so yeah, I would say a very competitive youth is, is kind of what I grew up in. A very driven youth, um, a very um, you perform or you're not type of, of environment yeah. as well. Yeah. Did you grew up happy? You know what? I, I, I grew up happy. Um, but I, as I look back, I grew up, uh, not very self-confident. Hmm. And so I was a bigger kid. And so I was, you know, quoting the fat kid, you know, hmm. and I, and I, and I, when you look back, I was more big than I was fat, but you know what, that was that perception. I was the fat kid. And, and, um, it's, mm -hmm. you go through a lot of that self-confidence stuff. You know, I remember back, um, there was in fourth grade, there was a, uh, a Valentine's card that I uh, got or something for, uh, for a girl and um, never, you know, never either, never came back or she didn't, you know, it's like, whatever. 
and my world was crushed. And it's funny, like that, you know, that type yeah. of stuff. So that kind of just spilled on to that self-confidence structure that I was always trying to overcome. And yeah. so I actually was happiest when I was competing, when right. I was fighting, when I was competing, when I was taking on, that's where I think I seemed the happiest. And I put myself in that space most of the time. You know, mm-hmm. if, if, if there was, if somebody says, Hey, I think I could, uh, I think I could eat eight cheeseburgers. I'd be like, I think I could eat nine. You know, <laughs> I didn't care if it was, I, I think I could stack these pennies 22 high. I think I can do 23. You know, it didn't matter. I was competing on everything. And, and that was a lot of, of my upbringing through, you know, through college, through in, in my young professional year, for sure. Yeah. Did you have the idea at some point to leave the state or, and if so, so when, yeah. Yeah. So, so I decided to leave the state, um, just for college. Um, I, I went and, um, I played at uh, Bemidji state in Northern Minnesota. I, uh, played football at a division two school there. And, um, after that, um, uh, I, um, went to the university of North Dakota to get my MBA and, um, and the second half of the MBA, I was actually, um, doing a, a little bit of work with Microsoft business solutions out of Fargo. It was, that's their business solutions division. And that's when kind of that first, that dot-com bubble kind of burst in 2000. And at that point, then a lot of people are going to kind of getting laid off. And I thought, you know, I don't know if this is the market I want to come into. So I went and did an international uh, business concentration in, for a semester in Norway. And nice. um, from there, yeah, I, I um, you know, it's so funny, was I was going to come five months, with, six months. How long was it? It was about, yeah, about, so I ended up spending a total of, um, like seven months over there, but I yeah. did some backpacking and stuff like too. And, and that was kind of a unique story. I was, um, I had a friend of the family, uh, who asked, Oh, so you're going to do backpacking while you're in Europe. And I go, yeah, no, I'll probably come back when I've got more money. And he's like, well, you know, you'll have more money. He goes, but when do you think you'll find more time? And yes. it was funny. Cause I was in between, I wasn't attached to anything. And I th- sat with that and went, huh, Mm-hmm. that's a good point. And, you know, it was always about driven what's next, what's next, what's next and not realizing what I had right in front of me. And had he not said that I would have, I would have bypassed one of the most epic experiences of my life. You know, I got to, I got to see so many places in Europe. I got to run with the bulls in Pamplona. Um, I got to do just so many things that um, I, I wouldn't have done. And I think one of the things, you know, you say, I really want to do that. A lot of it there is being aware being aware of the things that you want to do, being aware of the presence, being aware of the cost of time, mm-hmm. you know, and, and really understanding that there's a lot of things you can replace in this world, but people in time are, are typically not one of them. And, mm-hmm. and that part really, um, there is these micro events in your life that you, if you're listening, that's when, that's when your opportunities really show up. They kind of trigger you going, wow. Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. And you got to just not push it down. You can't say, ah, Ah, next time or next week, next month, next year, when I, when I have, um, you know, it reminds me of a, of a a philosophy that's really important to me. And it's, it's called be, do, have, you know, a lot of times in our society, we talk about, you know, we need to have the, you know, we need to have the money, we need to have the things so that we can do the things that we want so that we can be happy or we can be a, a cheat, you know, successful, whatever we can be. And really, the approach that has really served me well, and I think is probably the, the prevailing approach that we want to have is flipping that. Be the person that acts as if, that acts as if you are successful, that is if, is mm-hmm. if you are happy, that acts in accordance with the way you would if you were that. Yeah. And if you, if you be that, 
then you will by nature do the things that support what you want to be. Yes. Yeah. And then you'll have everything you need. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was really guided it. me a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did the trip around the world when I was 25. And oh, it was wow. right yeah. after my studies. And it was exactly the same concept you, you mentioned earlier, which is I don't have money now, but I have time. And in 10 years, I'll be my career. I will have money, but I won't have time. And yep. I did that one year, 12 months traveling, which is a blast for $7,000, 25 countries <laughs> around the world. My budget was 10 bucks a day. So That's crazy, man. Well, and you know, it's funny. I actually looked, the Smithsonian has a private jet that they have. And I think for some reason, National Geographic has the same thing or something like that. But they will take you around the world to Machu Picchu, Angkor Wat, you know, uh, um, mm -hmm. the Great Wall, like all these amazing places. It's seventy thousand dollars, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, like, it, it, what we, you know, by taking the time back then, right? Like, <laughs> so economically frugal, it was amazing, you know. But yeah, it's it's one of those things that, to be able to see those things, and I think it does change your perspective, and and that's where when you look at really wanting to do something, um, I'm going to divert for a second. So I have a, a, a lesson that I teach people, you know, is it's called with them. What's in it for me. Yeah. And when we're leading people, um, it used to really bother me because as obvious as we mentioned, right, I came up in North Dakota, you do the hard work because it is the hard work because it's your job and that's why you do it. Right. Yeah. And and this with them would, would be like when I ask somebody to do something, right? They'd be like, well, you know, what's in it for me or what's what's the benefit for me or why should I? And it infuriated me. Like, how dare you ask that question? Because I told you that's why. And as I grew, I started thinking about that. And as I was able to speak into what was in it for them, I could lead them in a completely different way. I led them already of self-motivated themselves because there's something in it for them. And so mm -hmm. when you look at this stuff that you really want to do, understand that in it for you is a perspective, is an experience, is a way that you just can't comprehend right now. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. there's all these things that are legitimate in your way, but they are legitimately keeping you from that amazing experience. Right. And you don't know where you're going to learn from it. Absolutely. And, uh, right. where, what stepping stone is going to be for the next thing to happen. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing of the story of life is that it, you don't know. You know, you may find out that you don't want to do it ever again. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> Tell me more about that experience in Europe. Because was that the first time you went overseas? You know, that was um, the first time that I went. No, it was not the first time I went overseas. The only other time I had been overseas, though, um, was I went to Australia, a uh, thing called the Down Under Bowl. It was a, an all-star game. So it was it was over there, but it was kind of a controlled experience, you know, stuff like yeah. that. But so but this is the first time where I went over. And when I was lived in Norway at the BA Handelskolen in uh, Sandvika, Norway, just outside of Oslo, they, uh, I, I was placed in an international house. So it was basically a large house and there was 12 wow. of us. Think of um, what was the thing on MTV that they had for the long time, right? <laughs> we're, we're all in there kind of experience. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. So, Big brother kind of thing. Yeah. Something yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. So there was just a bunch of us and, and it was really cool. Cause I had people from, you know, when you're international over there, it's not necessarily, you know, it's, it's people from, uh, the Czech Republic, it's people from Germany, from the Netherlands, all this stuff. Yeah, and so love it. when I went and, and toured Europe, I got to see, um, 
Europe through their, their eyes, the local kind of eyes. And I really got that blessing experience. But one thing I didn't have is I didn't go over there with anyone else. And so there was good and bad from that. There's times where you'd love to have a buddy or a friend to share this, like, Oh, remember that, you know, but there was also the blessing that I could just go. If I wanted to go left, I went left. If I wanted to go right, I went right. If I wanted to stay here another day, I did. And if not, I carried on. Um, and so it was a really kind of blessing experience. And I remember one of the experiences that really, you know, I, I was born and raised in North Dakota. I'm from North Dakota. I, you know, that that's what I know. That was very solid. What I traveled the United States a fair amount, but not, you know, international. And being in so many sports, I was known fairly well. Most everybody, yeah. you know, knew who I was. <laughs> I'm always a big deal. <laughs> but I, when I say it was funny that everybody kind of knew who I was. And it was so beautifully humbling to come off the airport, just even the airport in, in Amsterdam and Shreepol and not be able to read a sign yeah. to actually have to be at the service of someone else versus being able to command my own drive and direction of where I was going. And so that trip really gave me a humbling perspective that I don't think, I don't think anything else in the U S could have, you know, I just don't know yeah, unless yeah, I, yeah. unless I decided to live in a, totally. a you know, a completely different environment, but, um, it did. I remember when I was having, um, a drink with a friend of mine from Germany, he was saying, we were sitting there kind of, uh, he told me that the train station to get off and I got the train station. We met him at this little kind of outside pub thing and he, oh yeah, and we're talking. And I was like, Oh, okay. So where was the, where was the Berlin wall at? And he's like, Oh, it was about, you know, four blocks there to the West. And I go, Oh, you're, so you're East. Oh, you grew up in East Berlin. And he's like, yeah, mm -hmm. I grew up speaking Russian. I'm like, and, and my mind and she like, you know, exploded yeah. because I just didn't even comprehend all that stuff. All we you know, knew was West Berlin and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, this was a guy I knew of as just a, a normal person, right? And all of a sudden, they were from the other side of that wall. And it was very interesting yeah. to understand how every person and really every experience and opportunity, if left to be experienced ignorant, there's mm -hmm. a really cool something there for it. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. Uh, no, I can just imagine you arriving in, in Oslo and, and uh, people asking you in that that house. There's 12 different nationalities. They just make it up. But say, hey, where are you from? And you say North Dakota. They have no idea where to put it on a map. <laughs> people <laughs> in the United States don't know where North Dakota is. So, yeah. <laughs> and then you, you that, you know? Well, I'm American. Okay. So, tell me about coming from this American culture to a different culture and, and being in touch with all these other cultures of different countries and different languages. What, what did you think that taught you uh, that you could use on the rest of your life? Yeah. You know, I, I think the, the openness and just the listening to, you know, to what is their perspective? Because unfortunately um, I went over in 2003, I think is what it was, 2002, 2002. Yeah. And that was just when, you know, we were having Middle East issues. And so all of a sudden, I'm American and I'm a target for what are you guys doing? And mm. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm not a Paul. I'm not political. Yeah. I don't, I, yeah. I don't know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> I had to, I had to, to depress that anger because it's like, you know, come at me, I'll come at you, you know, like, you know, yeah. if you're, you're going to, you know, and so, and just trying to understand where they're, they're coming from. And I, you know, that took a lot for me. It still left some stuff that I was frustrated because it was like, I'm just trying to, Hey, I'm just a, You know, I'm just a guy trying to get by. And so um, that part, but it also let me understand that um, that people's perspective in the news and the media that they that they absorb 
changes their perspective of what they have. And so like how little we know about other cultures that does happen in the way it's, it, it's, it's shaded that that happens. And the best way to know what's really going on with someone is ask them, you know, connect, connect at that one-to-one level, just really understanding people from where they stand. And I think now in today's environment, I think we're, we're missing a lot of that. We're casting a lot of perspectives on people that we just need to sit with them. And so that's what I probably learned a lot is just sit with people yeah. and listen to where they might be. Yeah. Mm, I love it. Yeah. Um, for me. Okay. Quick, quick story. I was 18 and like you, I lacked a little bit of maturity. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not like you, you said uh, a little bit of, no, I know what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Experiential maturity. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. So yep, before yep. I start university and my parents said, okay, you're going to go as an exchange student overseas. And I said, I want to go to America. And I ended up in Arkansas <laughs> when I was uh, doing a 12th right. grade, 12th grade. And you know what they do with exchange students from Europe? They say, oh, can you kick? Of course, I play soccer all my life. So I was the kicker in the school for our Bismarck, you know, Lions. And they, I that's awesome. It. it was awesome. But I came back and much more mature, much mm-hmm. more, you know, because it's for one year, you have to take your own decisions. You have to. Do you want to do this or that? And then my mom, that is obviously a little of a hen and, you know, yeah, family, yeah, yeah. child family, you know, taking care of the kids wasn't there. So, okay. You know, with the education I had, then for me, it was a triggering point. Was that trip that you did in Norway, that triggering point for you to come back and say, okay, this is what I want to do. Or you had that earlier in your life, like at university or. You know what? It's, it's interesting. You say that um, for me, people used to ask like when they look back at my sports and stuff like that, like, wow, your parents is like really driven. Like, did they make you go to X practices and that, you know, like, were they really strict? And I, I no, my parents rule was you never quit a season. Mm-hmm. So that was the only thing. I don't care if it was a season of, um, of, you know, a thespian, or if it was a season of football or whatever, you just did not quit in the middle of, of you know, people rely on that. And so that was the only thing that really, I felt that I remember them being, you know, strict about is you don't quit. Um, but as far as that, then the, the driven part about that, that was always just, I wanted to X, X, X. And so when I got to college, I knew I wanted to play football. I want to do this. Um, when I went to get my business degree, um, I knew I wanted to do business. The triggering point was actually the family business, um, was actually struggling mm. a, a ton. I was looking at coming back and being a, um, an application consultant and doing something in that, that tech side and businessy tech. And, um, you know, my, my father sat down with me and said, Hey, if you would, you know, I want to let you know that if you want to come back and take over the business, I would like you to come back and take over the business. If not, I'm going to sell the business, but I, I don't want you. I want you to make your own decision. I want you to make sure that this is something for you. Mm -hmm. And I think that part where that was for me, that was probably the proverbial shit or get off the pot. Like either this business is going to be that, or you're going to go off and find this. You had to make a commitment at that time. And I committed and committed deep to this business. Um, our, I came back in November of 2003, our December financials were a $700,000 loss. Mm. And so it was, I went from basically being a college student to basically leading the charge of, the of turning this massive organization around. Um, and, and in that, that birth by fire 
really set on a lot of the 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 further you know the 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 progression for me and you know we ended up turning the business around we ended up you know growing it to 50 million in revenue and you know really uh, you know it turned out was it's one of those kind of great stories led by um you know at the, at the arrogance of coming back right it's like oh what am i going to teach everybody to do right but what i in the in the end what we found or what i found was it was really the way in which the people the employees who had done it a certain way allowed their mind to change mm. when it said, Hey, you know, even the mm. rats are jumping off the ship. We need to mm. turn this around now or we're not going to survive. Mm. And, um, and so they all bootstrapped it up and turned it around. And so um, that part was really kind of a, a significant one of, of getting people to understand how dire it was and not having to, to sugarcoat it for them and say, Hey, we can do this. We can turn this around. Yeah. Hmm. So that was a big one. Yeah. So this one, was it uh, the family business? It was. Yep. And yep. kudos to your dad to, to let you come and, and give you, not give you the keys, but let you influence. He's the first one who said, we have to think differently. Absolutely. Well, and part of it too, you know, it's, it's uh, unfortunately my father passed away at 60. Um, so I, I came back in 2003, he died in 2008. And, mm. you know, at, uh, at his funeral, um, you know, I read his eulogy and, and part of it, I, you know, I, I uh, had mentioned that um, when, when I said, when he finally grew up, we had a great relationship, you know, and, you know, I came back with, with an MBA in hand and I was going to solve all the problems because I'm a smarty smart. I knew all the, you know, and, um, you know, full, full of school, but not of uh, education, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, just when I finally, um, when I learned to ask him, so why did we do that versus why did you do that? You know, yeah. when I grew up to that level and I finally matured to the level, him and I had such a great relationship that, yeah. And, and for him to take his, I mean, let's, I, I was a brash, smart ass kid, right? Like I was, you know, I, you know, I, and, and arrogant <laughs> as all shit. And, and so, you know, for him to, to know that he, that's what he was bringing back. But I think, you know, to him, there was a wisdom in him that knew that, you know, if you want to go through hell, you better bring a son of a bitch. You know, mm -hmm. and, and that's what he had. And, and so, you know, we, we went through that pretty, and, and I was, I would get up, I had a cot in my office. Um, I would get there around, you know, five, five 30 in the morning. I would be there till nine, nine 30 at night. And I just was all in. I had no, you know, net, looking back now, <laughs> I'm not real, you know, not, not a lot of group, but I would burn a candle at both ends. I would just, you know, and, um, so, so for why, him to have that, yeah. Go ahead. Why did you do it? What What do you think the motivations were? Yeah, right. The real motivations, like, did you want to prove something to your dad Absolutely. or to yourself, Absolutely. or so, really like the business you loved it so much you had to do it? What was the the, yeah. the actual fire? You think? So I think um, there's a couple different things. You know, looking back there, I think the ego drove a, a good chunk of that. Right. I wanted to prove to my dad that I could do what I wanted, and and. There is, you know, with the, the, the way that we grew up in honor and taking, you know, and, and doing the right thing and stuff like that and taking, so taking care of the family, there was a huge mm. responsibility that I had to that. And my grandfather had started the business. So there was a tie yes. into that family. Like if I didn't do it, I'd be failing yeah. the family. And so there is, was that kind of internal self-manipulation that existed about it, but also just saying, you know, like, yeah, I, um, I, 
I wanted to show him that I could do it. I wanted to show myself that I could do it. And, and, and then I just thought, um, and I love business. I, I grew up, I, I, you know, I went in, went to college. I, there was no question for me. I was business boom, all the way through. No question. So I love business. Um, but I love a challenge more. And mm -hmm. so at that one, it was, this was like, <laughs> this was a perfect storm for my, my ego and my mental state at the time. Like it was just like, Hey, I, we've got this, this burning, um, you know, this burning, uh, a dumpster fire of a business right now. That's, you know, it's got great frame, great structure, great people, but it's going in the wrong direction really fast. Um, and you can come back out and, and show your dad what happened. Right. And so yeah. in the end, that's not really what happened, but that was the mentality coming into it. I think. Yeah. So mm -hmm. interesting. That, uh, that youthful ignorance and arrogance. <laughs> yeah. It's well, I always think of myself looking back, did I do the things I do for the right reasons or were the reasons that I, I do something uh, motivated by external, external mm -hmm. lie, which are um, coming from many different ways. You know, maybe you're taught to be a, a good football player. Is it because people were telling me I need to be strong. I need to be a male. I need to be whatever. Yeah. Is it external stimuli or is it because I really want it? And I, I'm really interested in, finding that inner voice because that's yeah. such a strong motivation uh did you think you, you did all the things you did in the past for the right reasons and and no you know so actually my personal philosophy right now is do right be right and pay it forward and so it's whenever you get to a chance make a choice do the right thing right but be right means knowing that you did the right thing each time you mm -hmm. may have had wrong information you may have made a mistake and then have the courage to know that you're not in the right place. So be right and, and move and, and make the changes to, 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 to acknowledge you're incorrect, you know, that, that, that you're, you're wrongs and, and, and change that. And so, you know, in that process, I, I know there's a lot of times that I didn't. And, you know, it's, it's interesting though. I've had a lot of conversations about this. Um, now I, you know, I teach people how to lead without the ego. Right. And not without the ego, but to understand the part that ego plays and allow other people to, to, mm, yes. to serve through you that and, and, and really kind of create space for them to be their success versus it being about yours. Right. Um, mm. But could the guy, could the man that I am now have done what the, the young man that I was then have done? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, it, like I said, it sometimes to go through hell, you need a son of a bee. And, mm -hmm. I was that guy. And so I don't know. I really don't. I would like to think that I would have connected, engaged the people in a way that it would have, have actually been better, but I don't know. Cause they were some long nights that, you know, now I fall asleep at eight o'clock. I don't know if I would have been <laughs> able to make those things, you know? Yeah. So, um, but then again, it, when you have, when you have two little girls, that, that'll put you to bed early. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's all part of the experience and the journey. It's a journey, right? Yeah. Learning through, through the experiences. All right. So let's move on to the, you know, so I, I want to actually speak to that. Cause that's a great point. You know, when you say that that's it's through the journey, you know, I think that's a huge thing that shows up for when somebody wants to do something when they really want to be, um, a lot of times what gets in our way is the story of our past journey mm -hmm. and the way that it's gone, the way that it was the way that, yep. you know, all that stuff comes in. And, and as you understand that this is a journey that changes every day and, and the only way to go in this journey is forward through it, um, that once you really own that, 
and really believe that, it really makes doing the things that you really want to do so much more possible. Yeah, It makes them so much more palpable because if you forgot everything and just saw something in front of you, you know, we talk about a kid, right? When kids want to go do something, they just go do it. Yeah. Because they don't have the memory and the, and the, the experiences the being shot down of being embarrassed of being all these things. They just do it. And so if you're along that journey and realize that you are at the front of that journey going forward, and that's all that matters, um, you really can connect in a special way, you know? So, well, for me, that realization that I was on the wrong path in my journey came through a crisis mm -hmm. and my divorce. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was so tough. Do you think that people can come to the same realization that they're doing, they could do something different if there's no crisis? Ah, wonderful. Amazing question. That's an epic question. It's a great question. So for me in, in mind, mine came through crisis as well. Like I always joke that said, you know, there's a saying that says, uh, sometimes a Lord uses a feather and sometimes he uses a brick. And I yeah. said, for me, he used the entire apartment building, you know? So, um, <laughs> yeah, um, can feel like you know what? Sometimes. Yeah. Exactly. And so for me, yeah, there was my, my dad died. I mean, I had a country song going, my dad died, my dog died, my wife cheated on me. The, mm. uh, you know, um, it, you know, it just, it was just my business. World, and then, you know, right. yeah, it just everything at one point I talk about the blessing of my father passing away. And mm. the blessing of my father passing away, as much as it, it destroyed my world, um, it's the one thing that made me realize from a health standpoint that I can't continue like that. I yeah. can't continue with the way I stressed, the way I ate, the way I, that stuff was going to kill me, put me in an early, because the reason my dad died at 60, but he had triple heart bypass at 50. So he died of cancer, right? But, you know, air quote cancer, but really it was, it was his diet and Health. lifestyle yep. that yep. Like, took him right and so 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 here we go so all right if i am not faced with this crisis what propagates the change and it takes a lot more um wisdom to be able to do that and mm -hmm. that's why so when i you know when i uh, coach with the club, a lot of my people that that come work with me come to me through the fact that they did have a crisis in salsa and like holy all right, it's got it. And so that slap to the face does, does tend to be a predominant reason for people making the change. The other is um, what I try to do is I try to hedge that off. And there's a saying that says, give people what they want, then give them what they need. And so sometimes, like, for example, mm. in, in what I do, they want profitability. They want, you know, better returns. They want better da-da-da. And then we start showing them the, the reflection of the cost of their way of being. And mm. that shows up in ways of, you know, whether it's, it's you know, leadership and business leadership. And they're saying, you know, you know, I make sure I tell them what to do. And I go, okay, well, so then every day you probably have to tell them what to do, huh? Because they never decide for themselves because they're always waiting for you to yell at them. What, mm -hmm. if you, what if you actually supported them and taught them to do, oh my God. Like, so sometimes right. that revelation does happen for them. And, and with my clients, even though they may have came to me through crisis from one thing to get to one thing, or, you know, they're looking for one solution over here, those other things open up. Yep. And, and a lot of times I will point back to crisis and or dark challenging times that can say, you realize that there's a, probably a pretty good chance that there's something that you did that put you in the line for that crisis, for that challenge. 
And as they start taking ownership of that, they start taking ownership and creating intention for the next part of their lives. And so if they can make that shift, that's the, what do they say? That's, that's the blessed. That's the people who can, you know, can really see that, uh, you know, have, have faith without seeing. And mm-hmm. that's tough because if you, if you can, ha- if you can see the need for change without crisis, um, it's difficult, but what it takes is that constant ability to be open and be reflection. So yes, yeah. I think crisis, crisis pushes it forward um, and says, now it's time to look. Um, but it's also makes sense that um, people find uh, faith and they find, you know, they find God or they find that purpose in crisis. Not so much because, um, because it's bad, but because everything else that was noise was stripped away. Mm. And all you have left is you mm-hmm. and your soul and the dark. Yeah. Now, where do you want to go? Yeah, what things you thought were important are really not. And... Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and you can't see that because it's your, your mind and your life has created an entire justification system on top of that. So everything you need to have this so that you can have this and this and this and this and this, and this, and this, and this you know, and no, you don't, you know, yeah. and, and that, mm-hmm. so that sometimes it takes crisis to shake all of those preconstructions and those thoughts. And, and, you know, and, and that's the thing too, like for myself, um, I had to win. Mm-hmm. Well, why? Because if I don't win, like I had this justification because my employees, their kids were not going to go to college because I didn't win. Yeah. Right. My, my employees might starve because I didn't win. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, and I, and With I pressure. justified this ego story because yeah, through the whole thing until it got completely shook, was it for me to say, well, there is another path. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, one of the things that, that puts us is to know that you're in a place where you need to change or else Christ is going to change you is, is the places where you start recognizing um, embarrassment and shame showing up in your world mm, because shame is, I always say that shame is the, the window of the devil. Like, you know, that's, that's the darkness. That's the, you know, that's the, that comes in and shame, you know, there is, it, there is fear and, and fears is kind of that there's afraid like, Oh, this is scary. Right. There's scared. There is fear. That's that kind of elongated, somewhat unsubstantiated, you know, uh, scared mm-hmm. feeling. And, and because we felt fear and you shouldn't feel fear, you should be fearless. And now we're shameful because we didn't have that. And this fear doesn't have to be about running into a fire, right? This fear can be about asking a girl out. So I can't ask a girl out. And the shame is because I have the fear. Yeah. But the fear makes sense because I'm not good enough and I'm not good enough creates a shame that I'm not, I'm just not worthy. And so that shame, um, if, if you're feeling where, where you look in a mirror and you see something that, that there's a difference between saying, Hey, I need to get back into shape or I, you know, I, I, that'd be a good thing for me versus saying, Oh, I look slobby or I look fat. I just look, or, you know, you're saying I'm just, and you give up kind of, yeah, exactly. That apathy starts showing up there. And so, and that's in that shame and shame and apathy are in there. And, um, that's the part where as you're starting to feel that yet externally, may not be the same. Externally, you might be getting more awards. You might be getting more returns, more money, more, blah, blah, more, more of the superficial stuff that crisis wipes out of your world and yeah. says, 
get rid of all that bullshit. And now look back at this shame that you've been letting define your life. And then you're like, wait a second, I don't want that. And that's, that's so the, the crisis clears that. Um, mm-hmm. And so to get that clearing, if you're not going to do crisis, you have to sit and just be willing to sit with yourself and sit with others and be honest and authentic and, and listen to podcasts like this and don't dismiss it, but just allow yourself to sit with it and then hmm. reach out and ask for help. That's, that's the tough yeah. part. Yeah. 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 I just watched this uh, documentary of Tony Bourdain, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the food really interesting, yep. exactly what you said. He was successful, 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 but internally he was so yep. unhappy yep. and, uh, I'm going to leave it at that. I want to move on to the, I really want to do this. I've, I've asked mm. you like I did on my guest to think about this one, one moment. I mean, it's not one moment, one thing that, Hey, you woke up and you really want to do this. Tell, tell me yep. what it is. Yeah. So I, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro and, um, you know, Mount Kilimanjaro, it's, it's, it's not the most aggressive of, you know, it's one of the, you know, the seven, right. The tallest mountain on every continent. It's one of those, but it's not, uh, it's not one of the most, it's no K2. It's no, no Everest. Yeah. But what it was, was for me, it was my Everest. And part of it was this at the time. So I was, I went to college. I was an offensive lineman, you know, in, in, in high school, I was about 320 pounds. Um, in, in college, I actually trimmed down to about three Oh five. Wow. Um, you must be tall. You know, well, how tall are you? So I wish I was taller, but I, I'm about six one, you know, well, I give myself a quarter of an inch or something, so, yeah. <laughs> but I'm about six one. And, uh, um, and so I was a big guy and I, you know, I, um, I have a big frame, I had big legs, you know, so I could carry the, the weight well, but yeah. it was still a lot of weight. So I got out of college and I dropped down to about two eighty. And so when this thing came up, how old were you at the time? I was 35, 35, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. So 35, 36, something like that. Um, and so, yeah, so I was older as well. Right. <laughs> I wasn't a spring pup anymore, but I was young enough, but I, um, so I did that. And, and, and so when I started going into this and I, and I said, I wanted to do it, um, how did you hear about it? How did you, did you read somebody who's done it? And you said, I want to do it. what the origin yeah, of that, you know, so my, my inspiration really was, um, Dr. Williams out of, out of mine at North Dakota. He is a, a dear friend of mine. He has grown to be a dear friend of me. We first were chatting one day at the local YMCA and he had mentioned he had done that. And that's kind of what kind of got me into going like, Oh, that'd be so cool. But, but I can't, right. Cause I'm a big fat lineman. <laughs> that's, that's the story I was telling myself. And he told me all the stuff that he done, and I, and he really put that nugget in for me. And you know, and he's just a, a one of those true, truly gem of human beings, you know. Mm. And um, so he actually, uh, so he put that in, and and I started um, kind of researching a little bit about it. And honestly, the point that I said I'm doing this is I was actually intending to do it the year before but something, Oh, we were end up selling the bit. We were in the process of negotiating the sale of the business. And so yeah. I was like, okay, well that's now's not the time yeah. to do that. I've got a little bit of things going on here. So the next year I was gonna do, I, I want to, yeah, yeah. And I finally just sat down and said, if you don't do it now, when, yeah. Yeah. and I actually jumped on and I used when. Facebook for good. I put on Facebook. I said, Hey, everyone, December 20th or whatever I'm going, I'm, 
I'm going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. And I put it on Facebook only for the reason is that people were going to ask me about it. And I would have let my ego actually work for me at this one time, but let it know that I, I would have to answer them that I either did it or I didn't. And, um, you know, I went through the training and, and, and it was funny. So I, I, I called up REI, um, and they, they did the booking, they did all this up. And I called up and uh, I said, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm booking the um, uh, thing. They said, okay, fill these forms out. And I filled these forms out and send them in. And they called back and they said, okay, so we're doing an intake evaluation and just looking through some of the stuff. How many um, <laughs> multi-day, how many multi-day uh, camping events have you done? Multi? None, <laughs> none. And they're like, oh, Oh, okay. How many, um, hmm, how many multi-day hikes have you done? None. <laughs> and they're like, Oh, <laughs> did you realize that this was, um, rated, uh, a six out of a four out of four or a six out of six for difficulty for REI people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I saw that. Okay. <laughs> they said, and they went up. So then, right. Just to call out every fear that I had, they're like going, Whoa, boy, you are so far in beyond your depth. You are not prepared for this. And part of that also galvanized me to say, I, there's a really cool saying out there that says, make big decisions once, right? If I'm going to get in shape, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to the gym every day, or I'm going to the gym. Not yeah. every day should I go to the gym. It's, yes, I made yes, the decision. Yes, doing yes. That. And yeah. so I made the decision. I'm going to be in great shape for this. And so I went and I did, I put the time in, I, you know, they have those, you know, um, athletic treadmills for, um, you know, for app, you know, for the, the high-end athletes for running and training, yeah. I use them to do vertical as much as I could to try to get that done. I did the Bane mask, you know, to, to get me to, and well, I just committed. You had yeah. the discipline as, as an athlete, as I mean, doing yeah, playing in past, football yep, yep. In, in college, you got to have that daily workout. So you just decided, okay, I'm going to go back to that train. Yep. And and work out or did you, what did skills did you use to to go a bit back from one day to another to have that discipline? You know, yeah, absolutely. So I, I definitely leveraged on um on my ability to to be very um binary on things of and mm. be very committed to say, hey, this is what I'm I'm doing, this, not this. And and, and it's funny, like even my wife jokes, like I can I can pick if I say, Hey, I'm gonna um I'm gonna do a shake diet for the next six days if I wanted, I could do it yeah. just not because I could, but just because I said I could, you know, and so yeah. I've always had that ability to commit in that intense way. Um, and, and that really kind of, uh, helped me do that. But, but this was what, what I found was that made this ex- especially challenging is that this wasn't explosive, tough, mean punt, blah, blah. It, this was committed marathon, like long, you know, like, mm-hmm. and that's just not what I did. I mean, I, I was an offensive lineman. I ran for four seconds. I'm running for more, more than four seconds. That running back better be by me or he's in trouble. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. you know, th- that was a very much different. And so that type of change in the way that I had to do it had to change my mentality. And I think it was the fact that I did commit, got me through and said, Hey, I, I put this and it's out there. People are going to ask me. <laughs> and, and that commitment really did it. Yeah. So how did you do it? Like literally, did you sit down and say, okay, I need to be able to, um, it's, it's going to climb. There's going to take so many days. Uh, I need yeah. to be able to uh, walk for so many hours a day. So this is what I'm going to do. Oh, cool. My weaknesses are maybe my joints because of my weight. 
So yeah. I need to lose weight. I need to have better nutrition. Did you have a method or did you just go one by one and can logically tackle yeah, everything? So part of it, yeah, part of it, I'm kind of a good geek like that as well, right? And so I, I went on and looked up all these different workout regimens and preparation regimens and stuff like that and put them different together. And then, like you said, assess where my overall weaknesses were. And, and one of the things was, is I would actually go, um, you know, on Sundays, right? They have a foot, the football games, they have the back-to-back football games, right? Yes. And so luckily this was in, you know, I started training in like September. And so I would just go on Sundays is one that I, I, you know, and I would go there and I would just go hike for six hours. And then the other days I would do stair steps. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And just kind of sit there and at least keep my mind kind of off it and, and get used to being able to do something, something like that for six hours. It's like, that's just not typically what I would do from a physical activity standpoint. And, um, and then also knowing, you know, where were the, where were my, you know, listening to like, you know, Doc Williams, where was, where was the challenges, the lungs, the lungs were a big challenge after the days of fatigue and your, your, your pack gets heavier, your chest gets heavier, more weights on your chest and it's tougher to breathe. And so I need to build up the lung strength and power there. And so that's why I had the Bane mask where I could adjust the the thing and it, it forced me to pull in more air. Um, it, it, um, what I found too, was that you know, in, in just using boot, like I never hiked in boots. I never, you know, I went for a walk, but I never hiked in boots. So I had to learn how to leverage and use boots, you know, like just to plop and really kind of be very, you know, intentional about my steps there. Um, and, and that part really, um, really allowed me to, to kind of focus on a couple of those key areas. And then, you know, just like I did, I did, you know, um, I climbed the, Oh, I don't know if it was empire state building or if it was the world trade center, um, but the, in the stair stepper, they had yep. the number of steps that it was. And so I kept, you know, I would do those things and, um, you know, knowing that, that, that leg, that quad leg strength would be needed for, for what I was doing. And, and then actually, um, knowing that as being a little older, I would need some, some pliability, flexibility. And so I did, I did yoga three days a week. And knowing that, so looking at what I'd heard people do, people had said, you know, I'm glad as an older person, I was flexible. I did some stretch, you know, so that that's the stuff that I yeah. really was able to put that together and have a, a kind of a concise plan. Yeah. So, um, but it, it really, um, the part that I had to really get over though, was my premise. And mm. my premise before was I'm an alignment, you know, I'm an offensive lineman. I'm a big guy. I'm a fat guy. I mean, right. And big fat guys don't climb mountains. Yep. So one of the things I had to do is I had to sit with and acknowledge that that is what I believed. And until, right, that shame, the shame put it off like, oh, whatever. I would laugh through that stuff. And honestly, that's what I felt was that that I was, I was not the person to be able to, I'm not supposed to be able to do that until I said with that. And I sat with that and said, that's what I believe. And I looked at individually going, then I could say bullshit, right? But until you bring it up into the forefront, if it sits at the back of your mind, it's just going to sit there and it's going to constantly eat and, and it will probably eat your ability to do things. These yeah. things that you just, I, I really want to do that. The reason you probably don't is in the back of your mind, right? Something sitting there saying, you can't really tell what the eh is, yeah. Yeah. but it's those things. Those, and if you pull that out, find out what that eh is and, and, and logically sit down with it and say, how would you address each one of the things that it brings up? And if you can address them, then you can do anything. You know, is it the newness of the activity? Like um, one of the 
the guests on the podcast said she was really good in finance. She was good in business. And she said, these I knew I could do. Yep. And then these other things she really wanted to do, she had never done. And she was blocked. She didn't know where to start because she had never, she didn't know anybody who had done that. Like, was there a little bit of this, this on your That's a huge, that's a, that's a great point. That's, it's a huge part of, of anything. Like, so um, I, in, in, in a lot of stuff I took as a fish to water, like sports, right? I would just pick up the ball or pick up the, you know, I would yeah. just play and I could win, right? Um, and one of the things, for example, is I just uh, picked up a couple of years ago, the ukulele. And, yes. you know, I'm playing the ukulele. Yeah, right. And I am, um, I find myself struggling to pick the thing up because I'm bad at it, right? Yeah. And, I, you know, I'm getting better, right? I'm working. I'm still bad at it because for me newness of it made it so much difficult and so the fact that i would try it for you know i mean i gave it a really solid six hours over a week or a month you know right i gave it a solid six hours over a month and i wasn't great at it so i thought you know this isn't for me and that part i i think um i will that's where i think we show up and we kind of try things we toe in yeah and we didn't really commit and so if if I jump in and commit, I usually get past that, but I have to acknowledge for myself that there is that churn space that just sucks. And I'm yep. not going to be very good for a while. And that's got to be okay. And then you just focus on, on the, um, on the process, right? That this is part, as long as you put that in as part of the process, it'll allow you to be able to kind of make that transition. Yeah. It's, it's a story as we tell ourselves, like mm -hmm. you're the big kid from South Dakota. Why are you going to go in Norway? Wait, why yeah. not? And then why are you going to climb a mountain in, in Kenya? People from North Dakota, North Dakota, South Dakota, sorry. North, North Dakota, North Dakota. North yeah, Dakota, Dakota. Right. they don't, just don't do that. You know, you we stay, have no mountains. Right. <laughs> so like, you know, I'm to pick up the ukulele. Yep. We're from the, North Dakota, right? you know? So, and I think the strength is about saying, why not me? I want to pick up the damn ukulele, do it and play in a, yep. a Hawaiian song in North Dakota if you want to. <laughs> Amen. Right. Well, and, and part of it too, and that's part where um, there's a part of it that I was blessed in, in that kind of why notness with to ask that question. And I think there's a part of it that we need to train ourselves and honestly ask a question. Why not? Why not me? Yeah, why not? And, and, and I think the problem is we don't dare even ask the question. Yeah. We just go, <laughs> nah. And we yeah. laugh it off. No, 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 no. Ask the question. Why can't you do it and give a good reason to yourself Yes. or do it, you know? And yeah. Yeah. And because I think the, the answer is like, we want to be good at it. I mean, yep. it's not the one answer, right? But we want to pick up the ukulele, be able to sing in front of 20 people and, and have them clap and think, whoa, you're so good. Right. With the expectations of the res final result, we need to be good. Why? Like I started the podcast months ago. And I said to myself, I'm not going to do any expectation. Of course, there's a million podcasts. Everybody's better than me, right? Sure, if I were right? to think yep. that, I would say, I'm never even starting. But that strength of saying, why not me? Because you start something small, then you, you, know, you do another one. And then it, yeah. you have fun. Okay, the result is not, you're not going to play ukulele in a big stadium with fans clapping. But right. you liked it. And then you start something else and something else. And then you can start a company. And you start another company. And you start... And in, in the end, you can do anything you want. Yeah. Even and, and like, it's, it's, yeah, it absolutely, the, the, the little joys and successes, if we learn and teach, and not only this, 
this is not just for ourselves, but for our, the people that we lead and the kids that we raise. The more that we celebrate and cheer on their little successes and their little joys and stuff, the more likely they are to adapt, to continually challenge themselves and try new things and look for those joys and those wins. You know, mm-hmm. that, that part is really, you know, there. And, and like, I think there's the, the saying goes, you know, I, I just brought it up is our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. It's like that there is something so possible out there that we'll do it halfway and we won't have lived our light. And that's, and that's such a, a challenge that holds us back because we never even get a chance to see if we don't step that. Yeah, down. let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> so I assume you finished uh, climbing the Kilimanjaro and summit. Now, here's a question. Yep. Is the vision of, of the, the future feeling you had when you started project, like, I'm going to feel that way. It's going to be great. Matched what you really felt. And was it even better, the reality, or is it yep. different? And if it's so, different, how? Yep. So the reality of, of doing it actually exceeded um, before, except for, except for when I was at the top. I remember we, we had bought down, there's some, um, there's some African, uh, um, um, uh, in Tanzania, there's, there's a, a, a oh, Tanzanian, so it's, like it's Tanzania uh, or Kenya. I thought it was Kenya, uh, Tanzania, Tanzania, oh, cool. yeah. okay, right okay. on the, right on the Kenyan border though. It's right, you know, like it's like yeah. 20 miles. Yeah. But there's this like moonshine type of like Everclear type of liquor. Right. And yeah. so we, we poured some in a, in a little thing like, we're going to have this at the top. We're going to celebrate. <laughs> yeah. And we got up there. We were so exhausted. We were so wiped out. Like the funny, the pictures, I love showing the pictures because I look like I just got hit by a truck. And so like, honestly, I got up there and, um, and the, the guide's like, all right, so do you guys want to do anything else? We're like, nope, we're ready to go down. <laughs> and then we got down about like, you know, about, about a half a day down and we're like, that was amazing. You know, so yeah. it took us some time to clear out that. But yeah, um, looking back, it was one of those things. And not only just, um, I met, you know, um, on this thing because it was while Africa was having Ebola, even though it was on the West side, yeah. you know, a couple thousand miles away. Um, there, it had, so there was only four people on this hike and they are, I actually in, in October, I'm flying up to one of their weddings. I mean, it's, it's, we, we became such dear friends, um, um, on this, this hike and the experience Amazing. of all of that, of just, of, of honestly, exposing our fears and our challenges in a way that we did it together mm-hmm. is something I could have never experienced, uh, understood how much value that was. It was so, it was so, um, and just mm-hmm. the way we had to support each other, um, mm-hmm. to, to make it was just unbelievable. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Fantastic. After that, did you set yourself to new challenges or, uh, you know what, what else? was so it a funny. stepping stone for something else yeah actually so it, one of the things i realized is that that was another path for me to keep my health you know after i i, I did kilimanjaro you know i did um um a tough mutter uh, i did you know a bunch of that i i've done a uh, triathlons uh you know i i got mm. into a bunch of things yeah that big guys don't do right because i had changed the premise and so yeah it was a watershed moment that changed to the health that my life is focused on and um and I live a much healthier life. My, my, I'm, I am 42 years old. I have a one and a three-year-old and um, I'm going to live and see their kids. But if had I not, have I not changed that? I, I, so that gift of making that decision yeah. is going to allow me to see my grandkids. Yeah. That's your 
what your dad couldn't do. Yeah. 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 Is your mom still alive? My, my mom's still around. Yep. Yep. She's 73 years old right now. And, and she's a spitfire. Yep. And so, yep. It's a, a blessing to have her around. It makes me, makes me appreciate that. And, and, um, and know that that commitment to my health needs to be that for that much more, you know, good for you, my man. Fantastic. Cause I'm going to be a spoiling grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> so my dad enjoyed his grandkids so much. He said, had I known, I would have had my grandkids before my kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because you only have the good stuff, you know? <laughs> right? Well, it is funny because, you know, for, for years, you know, my, here's funny. Um, my nephew, Bryce, um, when, when he met my daughter, Kalia, I kept calling him, hey, Kalia, say hi to Uncle Bryce. And I kept saying Uncle Bryce and Uncle Bryce and his cousin. It's like, and yeah. I figured out the reason I had did that is that when Bryce was born, I was 20 two years old, 22 years old. When Kalia was born, he was 20. And so it, you know, it was, yeah. <laughs> so it was amazing. Yeah. And so it was such a beautiful time. Cause like when they were growing up, I got to spoil them and all of a sudden going, yeah, you're kind of becoming a jerk. You can go back to your parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I got all the fun. So yeah, being a grandparent's going to be amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Uh, listen, I think we could speak for hours. It's is really, I know, really the back and forth, but, um, I'm going to finish with three questions on this conclusion because I want to be respectful okay. of your time. Um, first thing, first thing, uh, if you had a conclusion to the listeners, like, uh, one takeaway that is something that works for you, you give yeah. us a lot of, of quotes and mottos and uh, all these will work. But if you have one thing that you want them to remember something that you, you know is going to be useful for them. What would you say? Yeah, I love this one. You are exactly where you need to be. Mm. Even in the painful, painful moments. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Because where you are right now, the next moment is something you get to choose. And, and you start, if you, if you've been a past where you've been a result of, and you've been a victim or you've had all these things, you get to choose right now what the next moment is, what the next moment is. And so no matter what's happened, no matter what judgment you have upon your past, you are in the perfect right spot right now. And, and now you get to choose what's next. I love it. This is so powerful. (laughs) Thank you, Brad. Okay. Absolutely. Last thing. One is the reveal of the song. Um, yeah. I screwed up again. I forgot to send you the information that you had to listen to it before. But if I'd like to say, like, music is so powerful. I, you know, I thrive on music. Anybody turns the music on when they're in the car, they could end up singing. What is that one song that you love that your go to song just to t- turn you in a good mood? Yeah. So it's tough because there, there is two, but I'm going to give you the one that, that is. Oh, you could give me two. It, <laughs> All right. So, so the one that I sing for my daughters for lullabies and it's, um, it speaks to me so dearly is it's by Israel Kamakabe Viole and it's called a Hawaiian like me. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's a short song and, but it, um, it reminds me, um, that no matter where I've been in the world, I've always been a Hawaiian. Like, the, like when I was there, when I lived there for three years, that my heart, that that's, it's funny. I flow with them. Like that's, loved it. you know, it's funny. Yeah. People always, that's it. You know, it, it, you know, you can't see me on the podcast, but I am, I am, I am white, white. Like <laughs> so, <laughs> you're red haired. Are you? 
I am. I've got a little bit of Scottish. So yeah, you're that. Norwegian. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, right. I know. Right. I got a little, that's what they used to call me the Viking when I was living up there. So it's funny. <laughs> so when I, when I was over there, they're like, how did it go? And it's funny. It's like, I never had any issue because I just, I, I, I love and live Aloha. And so yes. for me, um, I'm always, no matter what, there's a Hawaiian like me and I'm just, a, I'm a unique Hawaiian. And so I, I love that one. And then the other one is just, you know, three little birds from, from Marley. I, I love, you know, that's just yeah. a, there's something about so optimistic that, that sunrise that, um, it's going to be okay. You know? Yeah. I love it. Thank you. Okay. Very last thing. All right. Um, where can people follow you? If they say, look, this guy is so cool. I want to follow him. Yeah. Or, or learn more about you. T tell me. So there's a couple things. Yeah. The first thing is, is if, if, if you want some help, some advice, some, some, just to have a conversation with me, go to callwithbrad.com and you okay. can get right into my booking, my personal booking, uh, uh, schedule, my calendar, and you can pick a time and we can have a conversation for 30 minutes, whatever it is that's on your mind. I, I, that's what I do. The good Lord put me, he gave me such blessings and opportunities. That's what I, that's how I get to serve. Good. And for so, you. Yeah. And if you want, the other place you can go to is thegreatnessgarage.com. And okay. from there, you can see my, my podcast. You can see um, the, uh, um, the, the group, the Facebook group that we share you know, for business owners. We share questions that they have. Um, you've got, there's a bunch of free content on there. Um, you know, uh, 15 minutes to freedom was one of how to create freedom in your world. And really just it's, it's a way that I can serve uh, and let everybody just, you know, whatever it's you need. Hopefully you can get it there and serve you. And, and if not, uh, you can jump on a call with me and tell you, I didn't, I missed the mark. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love it. It's easy. <laughs> Cyril, yeah. And Cyril, thank you so much for, for hosting in such a gracious way today and, and, and being just such a, um, just such a, a conduit to allow this stuff to be out and, and help the world. And, and listeners, you have got a great podcast here. Enjoy oh, it. Love it. Share it. Cause this is a good one. Thank you so much, Brad. I love it. And I do it as a passion. So it's, it's going to keep going for sure. I, Fun, I'm learning it? so much. I'm talking to amazing people. So uh, I feel like I'm the one blessed to, to do this. But thank you so much, Brad. I love it. Awesome. Thanks to all the listeners. I'm your host, Cyril. And remember, life is an adventure. Go for it. Usually I say live it. But I, today I feel like after I like it. I like, I like, I like this. Go yeah. for it. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. I appreciate it. It was amazing. Yeah. All right, brother. Thanks Brad, so much, man. We'll talk soon. Take it All easy. Right. Bye.